those that your Bible just eventually falls open to Proverbs 3, that we will be opening uh, there um, for the foreseeable future. And so I'm excited about the things the Lord's been uh, speaking to me, uh, teaching me, and giving me the opportunity now to, uh, to pass along to you. Um, my uh, brother in grace, Mark Whiten, taught me this simple saying. He said, to teach is but to learn twice. And so um, my desire is when I stand before you to serve the word of the Lord to you is that I'm simply teaching to you things the Lord is teaching to me. Um, and so that is uh, definitely what's happening uh, in, in this uh, series. And so Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Before we go any further, I just felt impressed to remind you that the Word of God is living and powerful. And every time God speaks, He releases breath. That's what it means when it says all Scripture is given by inspiration. And so when God speaks, He releases breath. And of course, we know that the breath of God is the breath of life. And so His words are living and powerful. Isaiah 55 explains to us that every word God speaks contains the power of God within that word to bring that word to pass, okay? So think of that again. Every word that God speaks is, is saturated with the power of God to bring that word to pass. So when, when we read this passage... Speaking of trusting in the Lord, leaning not to your own understanding, acknowledging Him in all your ways, and Him directing your pathways. You look at this and you think, how can I do this? You know, th this is such a challenge. This, is, this seems so hard. Um, again, there's power in these words to enable you and me to do these words. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is why we need to commit these verses to memory. This is why... We need to pray and confess these verses um, over ourselves, over our lives. Father, thank you that I trust in you with all my heart. Thank you that I'm learning to not lean to my own understanding, but to acknowledge you in all of my ways. And, and I confess, Father, over my life, over my family, over my children, over my family of faith, that you are directing our path. See, that, this, is, this is how we internalize, personalize the Word of God and allow the power that resides in the Word of God to produce the results let, let, let me, let me, I didn't mean to go here, but I feel like this is where we need to be, so let's just start here, okay? What he compares the words to in Isaiah 55 is, is seed, that his word, his words to us are like um, seed, and what we understand, of course, is that a seed contains um, within it the ability to reproduce after its own kind. And so he says that, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall prosper and it shall accomplish in the thing for which I sent it. So when God speaks, he speaks with tremendous intent and purpose. Because everything that he speaks contains within it the power to produce the result of what he said. Are you hearing me now? So what result do you think Father is looking to produce in your life when he spoke these words? Are you seeing this? He's wanting to produce within you someone who trusts in the Lord with all their heart. So there's power in these words to produce the result in your life of you trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Amen? 
Are you seeing this? Is this important? It is extremely important. Now, I have made a statement multiple times already in the course of our study on this subject. And the Lord just brought me back to it this week. And I, I really feel like, again, that we, he wants to emphasize this as, as we get started this morning. And so here's the statement. God can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow. God can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow. Because what we know, of course, is that God is trying to lead you to the promised land of your best life. And it takes trust on your part and on my part to follow him there. Please, this, the, these statements are uh, fundamental to, to, to what it is that, that Father is wanting to do in our lives and what he's desiring to teach us in our lives. It's not just learning to trust him so that we can talk to other people about how much we trust him. It's because Father wants to do things in and through your life. He wants to take you places and use you in those places. Amen. Um, but your trust will not, will not allow him to lead you there. Remember, it's the devil who gets behind you and tries to push you and, 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 and shove you and drive you. He didn't refer to you as a cattle to be driven, as cattle to be driven, but as sheep to be led, and that he's the good shepherd. And so the good shepherd leads us in the paths of righteousness. The good shepherd leads us beside still waters. The good shepherd leads us into the life that, that our Father God created us to live. But if we're going to follow our good shepherd, we're going to have to trust him. Amen. We're going to have to trust him. So I'm going to say it again. God can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow. If you're wanting to go further, amen, and I believe every person in this room does. Going further means having more, doing more, experiencing more. Your life making a bigger difference uh, for the kingdom of God. Um, all the above. Amen. We could go on and on with that. But again, he can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow. Now last week we looked at, and if I could review this rather quickly, Jeremiah 10 and 23 says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man who walks to direct his steps. So we see that we were created by God with a great purpose and destiny, but the way to fulfill that purpose and destiny is not found within us. So I, 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 I kind of compare it to vitamin C, not to be silly, but to make a point. Um, your body will generate a lot of things just, um, you know, on its own. It's fascinating how God created us. I mean, I, I've I, I, am, I am excited about knowing uh, and, and knowing more and more about the one who created something called an immune system. I mean, this is, it's, it's fascinating, the, the mind of God, the creativity of God, and, and, and how he functions. But vitamin C is one of those uh, things that you have to get from an outside source. This is one of the reasons why people's immune system is, is, is weakened, is because they're not getting enough of the vitamins and nutrients that they need from their diet, from an outside source. It weakens their immune system. That's one of the reasons why sickness during the winter months um, is more prevalent than it is during the summer months. Um, it's because uh, D3 um, is something, vitamin D3 is an immune system booster. And um, anybody knows what generates, what's necessary for D3 to be generated in your body? Sunshine. You've got to have sunshine. 
your body will generate D3 if it has the sunshine it needs to, to, to generate it. So in the colder months when people are outside less and it's more dreary and what have you outside, D3 tends to diminish in people's body, weakens their immune system, they're more susceptible to colds and sicknesses and flu. That's why there's a, uh, according to the world, there's a flu season. Well, the flu season is, is, is winter months, and that's when uh, people's immune system has 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 been uh, weakened from, I don't know why I'm saying all this other than the Holy Spirit maybe is needing somebody to hear this. Get you some vitamin C and some D3. Amen. God created those things, and, and, and it does a body good, and your body needs them. Amen. But the point, the bigger point here is the way of man is not found within him. It's something you can't generate on your own despite all of our best efforts. The way to fulfill your purpose and destiny in life is not found within you. You've got to get it from an outside source. And, of course, that outside source is none other than the God who created you, your Heavenly Father. So when we try to direct our own paths, when we try to direct our own steps, something that we're not qualified to do, something that we don't have within ourselves to, to, to pull off successfully, um, you know, we, we wind up settling for something far less, living on a level far beneath um, that the level that we uh, were created and designed um, by God uh, to walk in and to live in. So one more verse from last week, Isaiah 42 and 16. God says, I'll bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. So here we see God is saying that he will lead us in paths that we have not known. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, God says everything that you face in life, he's already made a way out of. He's already made a way of escape. Any test, any trial, any temptation, God, before that test, trial, or temptation ever uh, you know, came into your life, before you ever faced that challenge or that difficulty, God had already put a way of escape in place for you. Now, the bigger point that we were trying to make last week and, and are reiterating, re-emphasizing this week is that God has a way out for us, but again, it's a way you've never been before. It's a path you've never traveled before. And if you're going to follow him down a pathway you've never been before, you're going to have to shout it out. You're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to trust him. So do you see why God can only take you as far as your trust in him will allow? He's wanting to take you places, but it's paths you've never traveled before. And if you're going to follow those pathways, you're going to have to trust him. Now, I mentioned to you last week, and I'm not going to really get into that so much so this week. There's other things I want us to look at. But one of the basic areas that we learn to trust God in is when it comes to things like our provision, our money, uh, basic things of life. Um, the Bible makes it very clear that if we never learn to trust God with our money, we'll never be able to trust him fully in any other area of our lives. And so it's, it's, it's a basic, practical, fundamental level on which God desires to teach us to trust him. And so when we talk about God's wisdom versus man's wisdom, man, there's so much. My heart, I, I, to, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I don't think I have ever stood here to speak to you on a subject that I've had more in my heart to share with you. I mean, I, it, it, it's, I don't know how many pages we're up to now uh, of, of notes. And I'm just, you know, my simple prayer on Sunday morning is, Lord, exactly what needs to be said. And so I'm sitting here talking about vitamin C and D3. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, 
what are you doing? There's so many other things that the Lord's, you know, hot off the press kind of stuff. But anyway, amen. Are y'all still with me this morning? Praise God. So when we talk about, remember, you were created, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm not just, this is just something good to say. It's something that needs to be said, okay? You were created by God to rule and reign in life, in every area of life. And you were also created by God to be completely dependent upon him. Okay. And when Adam and Eve set out on their own to do it their way, that's, that's what they did. They, you know, they said, look, God, you told us to do it this way. We're going to do it a different way. We're going to do it our own way. All right. Well, when they set out to do that, they didn't lose this desire inside of them to rule and reign in life. There's not a person in this room that enjoys losing. We all were created by God, designed by God to rule and reign in life, to live a victorious life, to not just survive, but to thrive, to not just get by, but to have abundance. Are you hearing me? This is, this is, this is the desires that we have in our heart for these things were put there by God. So what, what has mankind done? Mankind, in, in our efforts to try and rule and reign in life without God. We've created all of these different systems, all of these different institutions, all of these different man-made things that people have now, even the people of God, have now put their trust in. And so when we say man's wisdom, we're talking about man's ways of doing things and ultimately man's ways of getting results. Remember, anytime we talk about wisdom, we're talking about results. We're not just talking about something that you know. Wisdom is the ability to take what you know and apply it in your life in a practical way to produce a needed result in your life. So this means that man's wisdom will only produce man's results, but God's wisdom will produce God's results. Are you following me now? This is really, really, really important. So, again, why is there this thing called man's wisdom? Man's wisdom is man's efforts to try to rule and reign in life, institutions that man has created to try to rule and reign in life without having to do anything God says, without having to be dependent upon God, without having to listen to God, without having to obey God. So we're coming up with all of these different financial institutions, scientific institutions, technology, all of these things that we're developing using, by the way, gifts and talents and abilities and natural resources that were provided to us by God. We're trying to use all of these things at a feverish pace to try to create some utopia-type society, right, with, and, and leave God out of it all. And we're watching it blow up in the world's face again and again and again and again. It's because it, it can never happen. And we do not need to be sucked into that vortex. Are you he- hearing me? We've got to break from the pack. That is one of the things God is saying to us as his children, that we have got to quit putting our trust in this world. We've got to quit putting our trust in things that have been developed by this world. We've got to quit putting our trust in the wisdom of man. The one who puts his trust in man, the Bible says, and makes flesh and the arm of the flesh, um, his, uh, his strength is cursed. Cursed. So the wisdom of God is completely different from the wisdom of man. So guess what? If you're ever going to do anything God's way, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to trust God. 
You're going to have to trust God. Are you, are you following me? See, that, he has a way out for you. That's his wisdom. That's his wisdom. But if you're ever going to do it his way, you're going to have to trust him. Because a lot of it's not going to make sense. I love what Pastor Bill Winston said. He said, logic never, he said, I've read that Bible from cover to cover. He said, and logic never produced the first miracle. Never produced the first one. And it never will. See, we need to, we need to step over into the power of God. We need to pass the power. Those who expect Jehovah pass the power. Remember those verses out of Isaiah 40? Okay. See, here's the thing. The wisdom of man will never get you over into the power of God. The wisdom of man will keep you limited to the power of man, the arm of the flesh. But what will the wisdom of God do? The wisdom of God, see, will help you break that barrier. The wisdom of God will not just help you. It will, it will blow through that barrier. And the wisdom of God will, will bring you over into the power of God. Now, you'll never do anything consistently and with the right attitude if you don't trust God. Let me praise the name of Jesus. Go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse number 22. James chapter 1 and verse number 22. Amen. James chapter 1 and verse number 22. Can you just let me take my time for a few minutes this morning? Is it okay? Everybody all right? Man, I'm so thankful. So, so thankful. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so I'm trying to rush this, and I've got to quit rushing it. Uh, and I'm, Forgive me, Lord, for doing it, okay? Um. This, this is a simple word from the Lord for us this morning, okay? He said this to me early this morning. He said, it's time to examine the ways you've always done it. It's time to examine the ways you've always done it. Remember what we talked about last week? We said that we find security in the familiar because familiar gives us a sense of control. And so how many times... Has someone or the Lord or you found something in the word that, you know, is different from the way you've always done it? See, we get so locked into the way we've always done things. And we just assume because remember, the way that seems right but ends in destruction seems right because it feels safe. Familiarity gives us a false sense of security. A false sense of security is associated with putting your trust in things that your trust is not worthy of. But we trust things other than God because we think those things can help us. Those things can protect us. Those things can make us secure. Those things can provide for us. And so we, we find a sense of control. Remember, the dilemma of trust is surrendering control. And so we find this sense of, of, of safety, we feel safe, it's familiar, it's, it's routine, uh, it's how we've always done it, and, and, you know, we've made it this far doing it that way. Um, and, and, and so the Lord said these simple words to me. He said, it's time to examine the ways you've always done it, okay? Um, because 
what if the ways you've always done it are man's ways and not God's ways? And here's one of the, here's, here is, again, a very simple test. Well, how do I know the difference, Pastor Mark? All, not some, all of God's ways require trust in God. If you can do it without trusting him for the outcome, then it's more than likely, I can just about guarantee you, it's not God's way. If it's God's way, it's going to require you trusting him. Okay, now let's go back to James 1.22. Thank you, Holy Spirit. James chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So there are at least three kinds of deceptions, or deception can come from three different sources. We often think of the devil as being the source of deception, and certainly he is a deceiver. The Bible makes that very clear, all right? But then we, we also see that other people in the world um, can deceive you, and sometimes they, they mean well, but they're still wrong, okay? But then the third source of deception, in my humble opinion, is the worst kind. And this is when it's not the devil and it's not another person, but it's, it's me deceiving myself, where I have deceived myself. Now, to be deceived means to believe something to be right or true when it's actually not, okay? And I bet some of you know what I'm about to say next because I say it every time. Keith Moore says, if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. See, that's the problem with deception is we don't, we don't realize that we are. And it, and, it, and it takes the Holy Spirit of God and it takes the Word of God and it takes a willingness on my part and on your part to be teachable and humble, right? If we're ever going to have areas that we've been deceived in brought to our attention, brought to, to our, our illumination, right? The more prideful we are, the easier we are to deceive. The more humble we are, right? The more humble we are, the harder we are to deceive, and the faster we are to see it when we are deceived. Humility, again, is the master key to life. So how is it, think for a moment, on on just a practical level, when he says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. It It can be very deceptive to be in a service like this, praise and worship, presence of God, Holy Spirit moving, hear things from the Word of God that, that uplift us, that build us up, that edify us, that encourage us, that, can I just simplify it, um, we leave here feeling better about ourselves, we leave here feeling better about our situation, uh, maybe we came in with the hope meter kind of towards the empty side of the tank, and we leave out of here with the hope meter uh, more towards the full side of the tank, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful experience, you know, to come in the presence of God, to be around other people, realize we're not alone in this world, all these other things, right? And so we can experience all of that and leave here feeling better about ourselves, but never actually follow through on anything that God has spoken to us. The doing the Word of God is the following through part. And remember, the difference is in the doing, not just in the hearing. And so it can be very self-deceiving to hear something from the Word of God that makes us feel better about our situation, but if we never take what we hear and actually make a change to our life and our life structure and our routine, what's familiar, the way we've always done it, 
See, this is a real problem. So many of God's people have deceived themselves because they hear it and they give mental assent to it. They, they, they write notes and take notes and amen and all of this stuff. But it never makes its way into changing the way we've always done it. We just keep doing it the same way. And we deceive ourselves. So, as it relates to what we're studying now, Learning about trusting God is not the same as learning to trust God. Are you with me now? Let's not, let's not be deceived into thinking because we're learning more about and hearing more about trusting God that somehow that just magically translates into us trusting Him more. This would be a classic example of people deceiving themselves by hearing the Word and not doing the Word. Okay? Now, this is something that I have been before the Lord about. I, I've I mentioned a moment ago, and I'm not saying that bragging. I'm just saying thank you, Lord, you know, for all the things that he's teaching me about this and all the things that he's showing me about this, something, you know, that really is this basic, um, yet there's so much that um, I think there is still for us to, lo- to, to know and learn and understand about it. But just about every conversation, meditation, study of the scriptures that I have with the Lord about this of late um, begins and ends with um, all this is wonderful, Father, thank you for it, but I'm, I'm most interested in, in learning for myself and in teaching your people how to trust you, okay, how to trust you. The Lord spoke to my heart uh, many years ago. I can almost show you where I was in the cabinet shop when he spoke to my heart. He said to me, he said, I don't want you to be a wow preacher. I want you to be a how preacher. Now, what's the difference? A wow preacher, this is somebody who likes to just wow the wow people, right? You know, it's like where you hear a sermon, you go, wow, man, you know. And there's not anything wrong with that. I mean, what I mean by wow preacher is like encouraging people and just blessing people and, 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 you know, putting the phrases together in a way that connect with people and all the other stuff, right? He said, I'm more interested in you howing my people than wowing my people. Howing meaning what? Teaching them how. How to do it. How. In other words, to take the eternal and ancient answers of God and put them on a shelf low enough so that any person in this room can walk out of here with something today that they can do different in their lives that will make a a tangible, measurable, verifiable difference in their lives. That's that's the goal. That's, that's, That's the desire. The Old Testament, the scripture says this, my responsibilities, my job is to read the verse and make the sense. To help you make sense of what God is saying to you so that you can not just know about it, so that you can be about it, so that you can be it and do it. Amen. Are you with me? Okay. So learning about trusting God is not the same as learning to trust him. And so I'm like, Lord, so tell me, tell me how, uh, how to, to learn to trust you so that I can tell your people how to learn to trust you. And so my, my thoughts went, and I'm not going to get into to this this morning, but my thoughts went, the Holy Spirit has led me to two really important um, uh, places to begin, okay, and, and uh, we'll hear more about those in the days ahead. But we begin to learn to trust God by trusting His intentions. Okay? 
right? In, in other words, we've got to come to a conclusion. We've got to come to terms with the truth and reality that Father's intentions towards us are only good. This, this is why he's worthy of our trust, because he only wants good for you. Let me, let me ask it another way, and I got lots of notes on this, but let me just try to, just off the top of my heart briefly, okay? Will he ever ask you to do something that's going to hurt you? Will he ever ask you to do something that's going to belittle you or diminish you? Will he ever ask you to do something that's, that's, that's going to shame you or, 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 or cause you tremendous harm or loss? No, 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 a thousand times no. I, I like to say it this way over and over and over again here at the Foundry, anywhere I get an opportunity to teach. Every word that God has ever spoken to you has had your best interest behind it. Anything he's told you to do, anything he's told you not to do, it's not because he's trying to hurt you or harm you or take anything good away from you. It's because he's trying to get good to you and he's trying to keep you from following after things that seem to be good and promising that lead to death and destruction. The old timers would say it this way, he'll do to trust. Well, he'll do to trust because he only has good intentions for you. The other place, and, and again, these are some of the early answers that the Lord's showing me, is that if we're ever going to learn to trust Him, we've got to learn to trust Him in the area of our provision, in the area of our finances. And He took me to a few places for that. Um, one of the first ones, of course, was when He was trying to teach the nation of Israel to trust Him so that he could carry them into the promised land. Remember, he brought them out of slavery so that he could bring them into the promised land. He brought them out so he could bring them in. He brought them out so he could bring them in. And so in between the uh, land of not enough was the land of just enough, and, and ultimately God's desire was to carry them to the land of more than enough. But see, in the land of just enough is where you've got to learn to trust God. Are you hearing me? And so it's the lesson of the manna. And, of course, we see the first generation never learn to trust him. And remember, God can only carry you as far as your trust in him will allow. It wasn't that God didn't have the ability to bring them across the Jordan River into their best life. It was that they didn't trust him to bring them into their best life. And so they never lived their best life. Are you seeing this? All right. So learning to trust God begins with coming to terms with his intentions for your life. We'll talk more about it later. Learning to trust God begins with, and I'm emphasizing that word begin, it's not a trick word, I'm just trying to show you, it begins with learning to trust God in the area of your provision. We see this in the Old Testament, we see this in Jesus' first sermon in the New Testament, right? Don't worry about what you're going to eat, don't worry about what you're going to wear, don't worry about how you're going to make it, right? But instead, do what? Trust Father, put your trust in God, seek first Him and, and His kingdom and His ways of being and doing right. This is, this is the effort, you, 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 the labor that we need to put is labor in the word and labor to believe on him whom God has sent. These are the instructions that Jesus gave us. But again, he's here to teach us a, a new way. He's here to teach us all about the kingdom. But where does he begin? He begins with learning to trust God when it comes to our provision. Okay, all right. But now <clears throat> I'm going to tell you this morning and you might want to write this down, okay? I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly how, in no uncertain terms, I'm going to tell you exactly how you and anybody else that ever has or ever will, I'm going to tell you how to learn to trust God, okay? I'm not, that's where it begins, okay? But that's not how, that's different. A starting point is different 
than how to do it. Okay? Are you ready? Okay, here it is. You learn to trust God by trusting Him. I almost felt silly when he finally was just like, son, you know. There's no other way. Matter of fact, this was the next thing. You learn to trust God by trusting him, and there's no other way. And you're deceiving yourself if you think that there is. You see, you only learn to trust by getting out there and doing it. Come on now. You cannot learn to trust God any other way than by trusting him. No matter how many times we try. See, he said, so many of my children have been trying to learn to trust me without ever actually trusting me. We're trying to figure out all these different angles, all these different approaches, all these different programs. See, watch this, watch this. We, We say, teach me to trust you, God, and I will trust you. God says, trust me, child, and I'll teach you to trust me. Please don't miss the simplicity of God. Early in his walk with the Lord, Brother Copeland was receiving so much from Brother Hagen's ministry and just so thankful for him and he said the Lord spoke to his heart he said I want you to give Brother Hagen I think it was five thousand dollars does that sound right or is it ten fifty thousand dollars okay see amen fifty thousand I want you to give him fifty thousand dollars in those days I don't think Brother Copeland had fifty dollars now listen very carefully okay Listen very carefully. So Brother Copeland said, absolutely, Father. I would love to give that man $50,000. So you give me the $50,000, and I'll give it to Brother Hagen. And the Lord said, no. You give Brother Hagen the $50,000, and I'll give it to you. He's like, wait a second. Father, you, you're not understanding. I don't, I don't have the 50000 to give him. So how can I give him something I don't have? If you give it to me, I'll give it to him. He said, no, if you give it to him, I'll give it to you. He said he struggled with that for a little while. And finally, he realized what the Lord was saying. So I think he sent him, was it $5? And then the next time he got some extra money, he sent him another, and he sent him another, and he sent him another, and he sent him another. And guess what's happening this whole time? It's getting, what he's sending is growing because what the Lord is giving to him is growing until finally one day he called down there to talk to the accounting department and was amazed to find out that he had already given Brother Hagen in excess of $50,000. See, it's very easy to say, if you give it to me, I'll give it to them. But that's not how you learn to trust God. You trust God by doing what you can do today with what God has given you today. Are you seeing the difference here? 
See, we, we, we want to sit in a, I'm not, listen, I'm not here to beat anybody up. This is, I'm learning. Are you hearing me? I, I am, ooh, am I learning, okay? But the Lord, and he's not, not trying to bash anybody, but this, this is what I really felt like he, he whispered in my spirit. He said, he said, I got children that are, again, because we've deceived ourselves. He said, I got children that are bragging about getting out of the boat. He said, and they're still holding on to the dock. They haven't even got in the boat yet to let me carry them somewhere to get out of the boat. But we, you know, we're talking about we getting out of the boat and all this other stuff. And he's like, I got children bragging about getting out of the boat. They're not even in the boat to get out of it yet. Because they're too afraid to get in the boat of where I'm going to carry them that they might have to get out of it. Teach me to trust you, God, and I'll trust you. Trust me, child. And I'll teach you to trust me. This is the stalemate that so many people in the body of Christ are finding themselves in. This is the stalemate that so many of God's people are in. We want him to teach us to trust him in the area of our finances so that we'll have enough trust to give him some finances. Do you see how this works? We want him to teach us how to trust him to pay our tithes so that we can trust him to pay our tithes and then we'll pay them. You'll never pay your tithes. Or if you do, it'll be like you're attending a funeral instead of a celebration. Man, I can't wait to get to that part. Can I tell you why we don't trust God? We don't trust God because of fear. If you're looking for some really deep, theological, philosophical answer, it it really is that simple. We don't trust God because of fear. We've identified five different forms of fear. The Bible says God delivered me from all my fears, plural. The fear of rejection, the fear of lack, the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, and the fear of death. See, we do not trust God because we're afraid of what might happen if we do. Think about it now. This means learning to trust God is overcoming the sense of risk you feel when obeying Him. Think about that now. See, there are some who say obeying God is risky. I disagree with that. The safest place you can be on planet Earth is in obedience to God. There is no safer place on planet Earth than in obedience to God. So notice the sense of risk you feel. And everybody says, well, you just got to take a risk. No, see that again. That's not taking the risk. It's recognizing 
that this is something my Creator Father has asked me to do. Can I just be more blunt about it? He's commanded us to do it. He didn't ask. He didn't like say, hey, will you do me a favor and, and assemble together? No, He commanded us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's a command. Now, wh- whether or not we obey that or not, that's, that's entirely up to you and it's entirely between you and God. But this is what He's commanded us to do. And so, it's that sense of risk that we feel when obeying Him. Learning to trust means overcoming the sense of risk you feel when obeying Him. Now, for those of you, because we're all at different levels in all of this, right? If, let me, me, thank you, Holy Spirit, amen. You learn to trust God by trusting Him. Anybody want to venture a guess as to how you learn to trust Him more? Say it, somebody say it. Trust him more. Right? So I got good I got good news for you, okay? Um the more you obey him and overcome that sense of risk you feel when you do, guess what happens to that sense of risk? It's replaced by trust. In other words, you you this is how you learn to trust him. You trust him. You recognize the sense of risk, but you say, nope, this is my father. He only wants good for me. He'd never asked me to do any, his intentions, right? He'd never asked me to do anything that's going to diminish me, hurt me, harm me, shame me, any of that. So I'm, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm not going to do it the way I've always done it. I'm going to do it God's way. He's got, he's got a path out of this, a path I've never been down before, but I, I'm excited about where it's leading, and I'm going to trust him to lead me down it. And so I'm going to take the wisdom of God and I'm going to do what God is telling me to do, right? See, when you do that, anybody just, I'm I'm not trying to embarrass anybody in this room either way on either side of this situation or this, this topic, okay? But there's not a tithe payer in the room that wasn't initially concerned, intimidated, feeling a sense of risk at paying their tithes. There's not a tithe payer in this room that's a consistent tithe payer in this room, right, or listening to me through the internet. There's not a consistent tithe payer listening to me right now that when you first started paying tithes had to overcome that sense of risk. Like, man, what what happens if we don't have enough money for food at the end of the month? What happens if we you know, I might need this money for a rainy day. All, of a sudden, all these thoughts, right? Again, that's the sense of risk. And so we decide, in some cases, to play it safe, do it the way we've always done it. If we have any leftover, we'll give God some scraps at the end of the month, some leftovers. Mm-hmm. But notice, who, where is your trust in all of this, right? See, now you're trusting in your ability to pay your bills. You're trusting in your ability. You're trusting in the economy. You're trusting in uh, this and that and good luck and all this other crazy stuff that, that we so quickly put our trust in, and yet here's God who's never let us down, who's never failed us, who only wants good for us, and, and we think it's too risky to do what he's telling us to do. You, you learn to trust him by trusting him, and you learn to trust him more by trusting him more. And if you want to trust him even more than that, guess what? Then trust him even more. Stand with me. Praise God. I'm, I know I'm past my time. Five fears again. Yes, sir, brother. 
fear of rejection, unknown and deaf. So God tells you to go tell somebody about what Jesus did for them. You've got to trust him if you're going to do that. But why do we not do that fear of rejection? Invite your neighbor to church. Well, they may think I'm a fanatic. Come on, Mom. I'm getting close so they can hear you in the microphone. I put my whole life on the line. I told nobody but Betty Faye. Because I knew I couldn't tell David. He couldn't take it. Couldn't tell anybody but Betty Faye. I knew I could tell her. Anyway, I'm healed. Totally and completely healed. Amen. Remember when I talked, I, I got to feeling bad about my family. So I talked to you that day, and I told you I didn't have a plan B. Yes, ma'am. And you told me, you said, somebody told, what's his name? Um, Keith Moore. Keith Moore. What if I trust God and die? And Keith Moore told him, he said, what if you don't trust God and die? And that was my answer. And I want y'all to know I am completely and totally healed of the most god-awful thing I've ever been through in my life. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm being slain. Amen. It's the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. I'm being, I just sit me down, sweetie. Okay. I'm, I'm being slain. Thank just you, let Jesus. Me go. Just let me go. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 It is. It's fine. So let me, um, oh, you're beneath the camera. They can't see you on the floor. So it was actually in my notes what I shared with, with Mom about Keith Moore. A man asked him, he said, If I could give it the quote exactly, and I don't understand how she shared this, but this is the exact quote. The man asked Keith Moore, he said, what if I die believing God? It was actually a lady. He, she said, what if I die believing God? And he said, honey, you don't want to die any other way. You want to die doubting him? Now, see, that you hear that, and you're like, whoa, oh, 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 oh. that's not how we've always done it. Come on. See, again. But we say, what if, what if I die believing God? He's like, what other way do you want to die? 
right? What if I die obeying God? Your name will probably be on one of the walls up there. Amen. Amen. Right? Amen. Trust. Trust. Trust Him. And see, this is this is the thing, okay? This is why I say the basic. You, if you don't ever learn how to trust Him with your money, you ain't gonna trust Him with your life. Come on, brother. Do it. Come on, brother. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I it, amen. They were freaking out the cameras. Is the only reason I'm trying to get you up here. <laughs> that camera's trying to follow me back oh, there, but okay. they don't know where I'm okay. going. Okay. I'm just gonna. Amen. Come over here. There we go. Amen. All right. This this week is a as a testimony, and my wife, she knows me well enough. I don't didn't tell her or, or any try to show it to kids or anything. But my dad had hip surgery to replace his hip, uh, common surgery, and having having lost a father-in-law that's the first person that I was thinking of uh, when I, I miss him my wife misses him I know more because that's her dad I, I miss him too and so that got a whole lot of feelings stirred up knowing your dad's going into surgery to be put to sleep no fear of the surgery or anything at all that that's fine but it's that putting people to sleep that's an unnatural thing to me I'm not in the medical field I don't but so I was very unsubtle going into that and with everything just going on. Don't live in fear of what's going on or live in, live in, in, in knowledge and trust in the Lord that. But that small creep in of fear of dad's being put to sleep, that's not cool to me. Amen and thankful to the good Lord above. Everything is fine. Greatest surgery, he's home, healed. Being stubborn and probably trying to walk around a little too much, but... Just praise the, praise the Lord that I got that text from my mom that dad's out of surgery. He's fine walking up and, and going through therapy now and everything. And that, that for me was uh, that, that weight off the chest, anvil of everything. And it just made me thankful of the, the father figures from my father-in-law, uh, my dad, you, and, and anyone in here that has been in my life. So thank you to... To, to those people who have have been around, encouraged me. Papa Terrell over there, that, that man is, has, has kicked my rear end. Sorry, I can't say on camera. <laughs> but it's been, just did. been in my life. And so, you know what? You inspired me just right now to say thank you, Lord, for the things that, that you know what? We, f we fear, but we shouldn't because we got... We got the best, the best driver of the boat ever, and so thank, thank you, and so Amen. Praise Jesus. Amen, Amen. Thank you, brother. If I had another hour, I would tell you the fruit of trust, and I'm going to just introduce it to you right now. The fruit of trust is knowing. The fruit of trust is knowing. There you go. Think you know more than him? 
He said, if, he said the Lord spoke to him and said, if you don't trust him, you think you know more than me and you don't know more than God. You do not know more than God. You don't know more than God. Amen. Because the fruit of trust is knowing. In other words, the only way to trust him and learn to trust him is to trust him. But when you do and, and you come to a place of knowing, and, and that's, I understand faith and believing and trusting, all these other things, but knowing, right, knowing is, is at the top of that list. That's when, that's when not knowing knowledge, knowing literally in the, in, the langu- in, the, in the language, it's as if you already see it. The Bible says that Moses did what he did as if he was seeing him who's invisible. The word in the Greek, H-O-R-A-O-S, is is translated knowing, edo. It it literally means, when Paul says, I know whom I have believed in, Paul's like, I already see the outcome. I already already know. And the fruit of trust is knowing. You know that you know that you know. And no matter what anybody else says, you know. When you get to the knowing level, there's no doubt. You don't, sometimes in the fight of faith, you're, you're struggling, doubts trying to, you know, just tug a war and back and forth. And, but when Abraham got to the full persuasion, see, now he, he knows that even if he plunges that knife in his son's chest and burns him to ashes, that God will raise up a nation from the ashes. He knows it. There's no fear. There's, you know, those movies have him crying, oh, I'm going to kill my boy. <laughs> no, not at all. And so you're sitting there looking, how could somebody do that? You know, it's because trust, the fruit of trust is knowing. When you come to that place of knowing, no matter what everybody else says or what everybody else thinks or what Google says or any of that, it's, psh, I know, I know whom I have believed in and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. See, when you, when you have that level of knowing, you don't bow. They heat the furnace seven times hotter and throw you in there. And, and your simple answer is, the God that I serve. Are you, are you seeing this? The God that I serve. David, when he faced Goliath, he already saw the outcome. See, he knew. He knew. What are you going to do to learn to trust him this week? Or let me ask you another, let me ask the question a different way. How are you going to trust him this week in a way you haven't before? But listen now, I'm, I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. Don't, don't, don't try to jump over 14 steps and, and go to some Ph.D. level of trust when you hadn't learned in the simple basic things, right? Acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And grow and develop. Are you following what I'm saying? I know she doesn't like me talking about these things. I, I remember, I don't know what year it was. She can probably tell you. I, I uh, Mom had dropped a porcelain cup in the sink, and she went to catch it, and it broke right before her hand hit it. And the porcelain broke so thin you could hold it up and see through it. And it cut her hand so bad. I'm trying to gross you out but there was literally blood on our ceiling of the kitchen there and she cut the tendon she cut everything the thumb wouldn't work now see just again I'm just trying to show you something here 
when she says she has no plan B, she means that, okay? <laughs> okay. So we're like, you know, you need to go to the emergency room. She goes, no, nah, the Lord will take care of this. Of course, everybody's telling her, your thumb will never work again. You're, you, those things don't just reconnect. You've got to have surgery. You've got to this. You've got to that. Show them your thumb, Mama. But if you don't trust God enough to tip a waitress, go get your hand sewed up. Right? You hear what I'm saying? If you, if you don't trust God enough to, to buy your coworker lunch, or, or then, amen, then let's start with, let's start with some uh, lower tier things and, and start trusting him there, okay? Amen. Father, we love you. Teach us to trust you as we trust you, Lord. Thank you for all the people that the men and women in this room are going to shine on this week, Father. Lord, may they see our good works and glorify you in heaven as we let our light so shine. Father, thank you for all the people who are going to have a better week because somebody in this room is going to have a kind word, is going to spend some time interceding, is going to be led by the Spirit, Lord, to minister to somebody else in some way. Father, I thank you that you are our source and our only source. You've got lots of different channels and ways of, of doing things in our lives and for us, but yet all the good things come from you. And so we trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right.